same thing. You got, we get another earthquake. We just did. Well, maybe you feel, did you feel it? I did. Uh, yeah, I saw all. The, I saw a bunch of movement out my window. It was like all. Oh, it all rolled the, to you. Yeah, the crows just fucking all flew off. Friday in the garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm still Freddie Woff. Wow. Are you really? Yeah. It's what it says on your unemployment check. That's correct. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the wonderful driver that we had for you this week or last the week. Driver. The driver. That was a fun conversation. And dude, that movie's so fucking good. I want a Blu-ray. Damn it. Come on, shout. I want just or Twilight reissue that shit. I need it. Yeah, I was scouring, uh, scouring eBay, looking, uh, you know, cheapest one there was like 59 bucks. <laughs> oh, um, man. I was like, mm, well, hmm, let it ride. Maybe. <laughs> so this is the third movie in our director series, and we're covering Walter Hill right now. And yeah. Johnny Handsome Freed today, 1989, yeah. man. It's that block we talked about of time where he just basically put out a movie Every, like every other year. Every other year. And it was always something that you had not seen before. And this is, this movie is no different. It's based on uh, the novel The Three Worlds of Johnny Handsome by John Gotti. And it is so... I, I've, I've read, like, synopses of the book. And, boy, the way Walter and uh, Ken Freeman, the screen or screenwriter, had, like, molded it. Man, it's just something else. By the way, Ken Friedman... He he was he was no slouch through this period of time too. He did Cadillac Man and Heart uh, Heart Like a Wheel for Roger Donaldson. Yep. And then also um, he did Bad Girls for Jonathan Kaplan. So it's the same window of time that we're talking about working with Walter that he did some really big movies. They don't know hits. I mean Cadillac Man sort of kind of. The Heart Like a Wheel got a lot of attention. Heart Like a Wheel was, I remember it was when I first got cable, Heart Like a Wheel was on all the time. And it's funny, I had just talked about Heart Like a Wheel because for some reason, was it you and I were talking about Bonnie Bedelia? I talk about her time Die Hard comes on. <laughs> right, but she was in something that I was like, oh no, she was in The Big Fix. She plays Dreyfus's oh, ex-wife. There you go. Um, in The Big Fix pre heart like wheel but because somebody was saying yeah i don't ever see bonnie bedelia she didn't really do much other than die hard i'm like oh no she did a lot but it was pre die hard and then she did some stuff she you know, after die hard but yeah um there's a nice uh, on the blu-ray there's a really nice little featurette with ken friedman uh talking about the evolution of johnny handsome and uh the many drafts and uh directors that were attached to the film before walter came on board and that's what's really interesting about the movie walter generally is we talked about he's you know he's a multi-hyphenated dude he's usually producing and co-writing the things that he's helming and this is one of those weird times where it, 
granted he was involved in the script and, and what they turned into what the what they turned into a shooting script. But this is like as far as the credit goes, this is all of Ken's uh credit. So which is again another weird thing, an unusual thing for Walter to to do. This movie is not unlike Angel Heart in a lot of ways. It's a movie not a lot of people have seen, but we're aware of it. Um, the, the, right, people know the title, but they're like, oh, but they maybe they haven't seen it or they confuse it with something else. Some, like, another Mickey Rourke movie. Like me. <laughs> like Homeboy. <laughs> like me. I Come on, man. Johnny Handsome sounds like a boxer's name. That's why I always forgot. And again, I couldn't even remember Homeboy and I've seen that. So yeah, I, I had not seen Johnny Handsome. Again, I don't, I can't tell you why. I just was, I just assumed that it was a Walter Hill and I had seen it. Because once I watched it, man, I'm like, there's no way two movies in a row from him I had not seen before. I know I've seen Driver. I just forgot about it because it was so long ago. But this one, oh, man, I love the fact that I didn't remember anything about this. Because Yeah, it must have been a trip, right? I mean, seeing it for the, for, I, I kind of jealous of you that you had never seen it before because, I mean, I enjoy the shit out of it. Obviously, I picked it for that reason. Right. But, like, I remember when we were talking and you were, you know, I felt the same way the first time I saw it. I was like, what the hell is this? Man, right. This is fucking cool as shit. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a 1940s noir movie uh, injected with 80s violence and neon. And it's all shot in New Orleans, which, yeah. you know, for me is like my favorite, my favorite place in the world to shoot movies. Every movie should shoot in New Orleans. Yeah. And the cast in this is no joke either, man. It's everything. Again, everything that works about this, you have... Um, Leonetti handling the the camera work oh, again, man. and as you said to me, one of the many times you watched the movie in, in the last short while, and Leonetti shot the shit out of this movie, right? That's, the, I mean, God, no other that's way my of, quote. That's no other way of putting. It. That's your quote for the box. <laughs> Leonetti right? shot the shit out of this, right on the poster, baby. <laughs> of course, Mickey York plays Johnny Handsome. Moore's real name is John Sedley. Scott Wilson. Again, if you're into, into older movies like we are and, you know, into the 80s, you know who Scott Wilson is. But if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, you know who Scott Wilson is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, Scott Wilson is the, basically the the old soul. He's the, he's their mentor on The Walking Dead. Uh, Wilson, oh, I kind of said Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson, that's your last name. Wilson. Herschel. He, he's great in this too. And, and Morgan Freeman and like like you said, man, Morgan Freeman probably in his most memorable role. Because if again, if you've seen this movie, this is not, this is why I knew I hadn't seen this. Because I'm watching, like, there's no way I'd forget this performance. I just would not. Same right. thing with Forrest Whitaker, who plays Doctor Stephen Rescher. And then you get your toxic twins in this: Ellen Barkin as Sonny Boyd and Lance Henriksen as Rafe. Oh, dude, seriously, dude, <laughs> both of them, Rafe. Do I mean, I, and kudos to the fucking costume yes. department, uh, especially where Lance is involved. I mean, man, that the, the, those cut off sleeved sleeveless cowboy shirts, yeah. that, that golden eagle chain, <laughs> the earring. What did I say? Like it looks like Rafe Owen opened a, a, a men's a clothing store. That's where Guy Fieri would shop. shop. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> That's all you need to know about that. But Guy Fieri would walk out of there with a busted lip and a black eye because Rafe would kick his shit up. <laughs> yeah, he would hesitate. We put a put a bullet in his foot. Get out of here. Uh, also, Elizabeth McGovern, who was in quite a oh, lot of man. stuff right around then, playing Don McCarty, um, the yeah. pseudo love interest. A mustacheless David Schramm. 
playing Victor Mosco is um, who who is a lawyer to 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 Johnny Handsome, and a little bit more later on. Right, Peter Jason shows up. Peter Jason. Uh, the cool thing about okay, we'll go back to Shram. Um, you know David Shram from Wings. If you're familiar with the show, he's the guy with the mustache. Have you said, dude, that's always sitting there at the at the the, the oh, ca- yeah. counter counter there. It was funny to see him show up in this because um, I knew him really basically just from Wings, yeah. and then I remember seeing him uh, when I was watching it, and I was like, holy shit, I totally forgot he was in this because I was just like, where? Because he's so. He seems so sitcom-y. <laughs> yeah. Like he's a fixture of a sitcom, you know? So that's how my brain, like, when I saw him. But he's good. You know, he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, but he's good. Yeah, he is good. And then that's, I, I was the same way. It would, what struck me was, oh, my gosh, you're not that guy. And I'm like, what is this? You save your mustache? You Clark can't you take your glasses off your Superman? I was weird and right. seen. <laughs> it's like when you see, when you used to see Artie Call, right? Like Artie Call, there's the Artie Call with the mustache. And then there's Artie Call in State of Grace with no mustache. And that bugged the shit out of me because, but I mean, he's so good at it, but it's like, there's like mustache, no mustache. It's like two different people. You're right. It's like Clark Kent. It's the weirdest thing, yeah. but it, not everybody, but people like this guy and, and, uh, Artie Call. It's just like, it's like two different people. <laughs> yeah. It's weird for me to see him Burt Reynolds without a mustache or a beard. When you don't have either one of them, it's, are you sick? What's wrong with you? Or you look like Marlon Brando. <laughs> he does. I mean, it, it was funny, man. That was one of the things about Bert. Or, or is it John Saxon? John Saxon. I'm just saying, man. In an alternate, in an alternate universe, John Saxon was the bandit, and Bert was the uh, was Nancy's father in Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> look uh, at them. Look at look at pictures. Look, look at pictures of them both from like the late '60s. Right. You know, with Bert with no mustache. They, they have the. They literally, man. You know. There could be only one. Right. It's funny too, like the whole hair situation between the two of them. They do have the same hair piece ish, yep. whatever you want to call it. Same wig maker. Eh. Didn't matter. And of course, our man, Alan Graff. Alan Graff. <laughs> playing Bob. Is it, is it pronounced Lemoyne? Yeah. Yeah, Bob Lemoyne. It, what's funny is Alan Graff may be the through line to all these movies. Yes. <laughs> By the time we're done, you'll have to see yes. what the next one is, but maybe. Dude, this movie. The way it starts off, too, is so, it doesn't feel like any other movie. It feels like, literally feels like a novel brought to life. Yeah, totally. And it starts off during the, the single tile, title card credits, right? As slow motion of this disfigured man walking down the street, super grainy. They clearly tell that it's 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 uh, New Orleans somewhere. And it's full of water and neon. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's not true. Okay. And, it, and it's it's gorgeous, and they're kind of cutting back and forth. And I'm like, I love the fact that and this is again. I want to say this, like I said in the other episodes, the efficiency of the of the movies. Any other movies would they be extending this stuff by showing all the titles in the beginning, and then get your slow mo shot, and then have it all blocked together. Walter's like, it's like that. We don't have time. You're getting the slow mo with the undercutting and everything. Of I uh, love his editing, man. It's yep. one of the things that sets Walter's movies apart from other movies. It, the editing is always really distinctive. Yep. And you get this really. It's still just a medium shot of this guy walking. You don't. You just. You don't know who he is. You can just tell he's disfigured. Stops and takes a smoke, and we cut to this again. This is. I love the back and forth here. This is so great. They cut to the Mississippi River. And it's a super grainy black and white. And there's our man, Scott Wilson, playing Mikey. And he's pitching this guy hard. 
to, you know, help him out with his next robbery. He's like, you man, I, I'm broke. This dude's taking all my money. This, you know, he, he owns half my bar. I need to do something. I need to get the, I get, need to get out from under it. Yeah. It's bad. Help me. What's cool is they're, they're cutting back and forth between this and a colored version of Johnny and he's got a pencil and paper and he's just drawing up plans. I'm like, so it's, it's really, again, a, a very unique thing to Walter. I'm not seeing a lot of people do this, even just trying to, you know, homage or rip them off of the, of the, just the efficient use and storytelling. He's telling us three different stories in this opening all at once. You're introducing our character that he's this guy and you're looking at three different timelines too, which I thought was like really unique. And he does it in yeah. such a smart way with how the image looks as opposed to loop moments where you right like or flashback. having to or having to drop like you know title in the, yeah you know March twenty seventh we we get it and it's a lot it's visually it's way more interesting oh hell yeah totally but what's really neat is then you start then you hear a woman's voice and this this intercutting between the the, the shots of the river and the him and Johnny drawing up the plans. And we cut to more black and white greeniness. And now here's her, here's Ellen Barkin and Lance Henriksen now instantly lighting up the screen with their over the top. <laughs> and they, they wasted no time going at it. Nope. And you know who they are instantly. You know what kind of people Sonny Boyd and Rafe are. The very first things they say. And you're like, oh, what a piece of shit. They're just, and they're ripping on Johnny's disfigurement. And the way he speaks, because he, you know, he's got that cleft palate. Speech, yeah, so pedal, so yeah, totally. And so he can't speak well. So they're super nasally, and they're just like fucking ripping him apart. And I think they even call him retarded or something along those lines. It's just, you know, what kind of people you're dealing with, right? Off, they the start bat. calling him a geek. Like yeah, yeah, geek. geek, like a like a carnival geek. So like bad. sideshow. And that's a, then that would be a southern way of describing somebody like that, yeah. right? It's it's a it's a very it's a it's a term I think it you know and it's it's also very noirish yeah. like uh, if you ever think of uh, what's the uh, Nightmare Alley the uh, right. Tyrone Power film right? right you know that's the whole you know, that's that was the first time I remember ever hearing geek and not thinking of Eddie Deason was <laughs> <laughs> you know oh I know what a geek is it's like sideshow freaks and I dude it's they're so rough dude they're just such despicable motherfuckers right yeah. from the go. Right, right. And you just think, like, who would say that shit? Much less say it in front of him to his face. Right. And we just, and we're discovering this is the first time they're meeting him. This is the handshake moment. And they're just like being yeah. total twats to him. You're like going, oh man. As if I didn't already know who you people were going to be, you're just going right at it, aren't you? In between all this, you know, Johnny's just basically trying to ignore what they're saying. And he just leans at a mic. He's like, man, this is your deal, man. This is just your, this is your whole thing. But I don't like them. You know, he, right. tried, he just let them know. He's like, say, I'm here for you, Mikey. Yep, but that's it. And dude, Sonny is just like giving it to him, you know, calling him Romeo as, of, as uh, her and Rave walk out. And this is where you get to see Alan Graff. Yeah, Alan Graff said quietly in the shot. <laughs> yep, and then we we you know there's and Alan gets a, you know Alan gets a Alan gets a nice bit here in a moment. It's so good, and and, and he just you know, Rafe walks out and just gives Alan just a shitty look. By the way, Alan also did a ton of second unit stuff for Walter on this one too. 
Yeah. Which is not uncommon for him. Does a lot. I mean, with this many car, this much car work in it. And, uh, and and that whole thing in the quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're back to intercutting with, with, uh, Mikey and Johnny again, Keller shots of Johnny handsome again, lots of, lots of dialogue going on here. Not a lot of dialogue, a little bit here and there. And then we see Sonny now in fully disguised in efficiency. This movie is something else cut to inside the car. Mikey tells Johnny handsome because, Hey, or maybe between the cutting, I'm sorry, the black and white shot of, Mikey before the, the heist is saying, look, you plan this job for me. You don't have to take part in it, man. This is, you've done enough for me. You've helped me out. You've set this up. I'm good. Stay out. But because Johnny is loyal and he doesn't trust those pieces of shit, they're going to fuck him over and he knows it. Right. He knows, he knows it. We know it. Uh, Mikey knows it, man. I mean, it, it, you know, um, Mikey's just hoping that, you know, by getting fucked over, he's going to get like the short end of the money, but still, you know, but I mean, it's just, it's just this, this sense of dread. Right. And there, and in a few moments, even Johnny's going to say while they're sitting in the car waiting outside before either one of them advance on the, on the heist, the day of the heist, he says, Hey, when we get back at, when we get back out of the, out of the joint, sit in the back seat, man, don't let Rafe get behind us. Cause he's waiting for him to like put a hole in the back of their head or. Yeah. Drive to that drive to the quarry, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna bury you guys. Take him out to the swamp, feed him to the gators. <laughs> I can't tell you the whole time I'm watching this going hard target, hard target, hard target when I'm watching it. It's part of it because of Lance. I mean, this is right. literally like a year. They probably shot this a year before they shot Hard Target. And I guess. And that's the thing, is like I wouldn't even have thought of how I'm like, man, Lance, like hang out in New Orleans for a while or what? He, it's funny if you look up his film, he's worked there a lot. I bet. <laughs> and then we cut to a disguised Sonny and she's standing at the door of a coin shop and she gets buzzed in and starts full doing her flirty, whatever you want to call it, this thing that she thinks where her shit don't stink. And <laughs> right. Her little, we see her, we see her put on and turn on the charm a lot. And we discover with our first encounter with Sonny, her charm is, you know, not that desirable. You know, she's a terrible person. So, it shows. The whole time she's talking, I'm like going, you know what, Ellen? If you would have talked to me like that when I was in my 20s, I would have been into it. But if I would have seen this movie beforehand, I would not have been. I would have been. Yeah, I, totally. I would have, oh, she's a dirtbag. So she started talking up the worker that's in there's older gentleman that she needs a, she wants to buy something real nice for a boyfriend. <laughs> Just like, Tell me, what you got that's real special? Real special. Oh, is he a serious collector? Oh, he ain't serious anything. He just likes coins. It's just ridiculous. And she's just laying on the sugar and it's just, it's too much. But she's, you know, she's there to, to distract. That's her job. And we cut to him. Oh my gosh. I, I do. Seriously, I love this opening. We cut to Alan Graff driving a car. And then we're cutting. It's just, again, lots of intercutting going on here. We see Rafe in a parked car. And then we see Johnny and Mikey in a parked car. And this is where we get the line. Where Johnny says, hey, man, we get out of the place, man, sit in the back seat because I don't trust those motherfuckers and they're going to go put a bullet in the back of our head somewhere. Let's, let's be careful. Then Mikey says, oh, I've got something for him and that bitch just in case to get smart. Yep. <laughs> and he and insert a shot of him kind of showing his weapon in his belt. I'm like, oh, so good. We cut back to Sonny in the shop and she's still keeping the man occupied checking out the coin and what do you think about that coin by the way when the whole moment there that whole thing where her asking him how much is worth how much it, is it worth and he's like 36 
thousand dollars, sixty four, whatever the price of my currently, uh, currently some like seventy seven seven thousand dollars. I'm thinking it's a coin, dude. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that seems like you know, and you handed it to her. Yeah, um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so that funny. aside, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And then we cut to Rafe, man. He's in his parked car and he cracks up some smelling salts. Dude, I know. He fucking hits that ammonia capsule. Wow. <gasps> and he just gets amped up and jumps out of the car. He's just, and I mean, now he's on fire, dude. I, you know, it's funny. At first, when I was a kid, I didn't, I was like, what the fuck did he just do? I thought he like <laughs> bumped. And then, you know, but at the time, you couldn't, I saw it in a theater. I think I mentioned it when we were doing the Angel Heart episode there. I had to drive to Fresno <laughs> to see this from Visalia because I didn't plan Visalia. But I always wondered. And then, like, now watching it, you know, you're like, oh, fuck, he's bumping the, he's bumping smelling salt and the ammonia capsules. Fucking weirdo. Yeah, dude. And he, and he just gets out of the car and just basically he's worked. He's just getting himself rocking and rolling and. Because, well, like, as we already seen with him, man, he's not exactly a stable character anyway. So now he's no. all hyped up on ammonia capsules and he's ready to rock. And, and whatever else we didn't see him do. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> exactly. Oh, cocaine, man. Anyway. Hell of a thing. And now we're cut to Graf again, driving his car. And now he's making his way on the sidewalk. He's making... <laughs> He's driving on the sidewalk in the French Quarter, man, like fucking a maniac, taking out fucking fen- uh, tie-off posts and yeah, I would I call them lion pillars, like you know, like horse uh, Don Burt used to call them horse heads on sticks. That's what he would call them when we were when we were working in New Orleans. He'd say, I want awesome. some of those horse head sticks. It's so good. I need some right here. And he just and he, he just kind of doing his thing, and it's so great, dude. You can see his graph the whole time, dude. There's no disguising it. They're not like it's super wide where there's another driver. I mean, he's done coordinators, but he yeah, also, he's doing it. But you see, he's just like, fuck, I'll do it, man. I'm on this. He ends up crashing into a parked car and cuts inside the, now the coin shop owner's like, what the fuck was that, man? <laughs> What's going on? And come back to Graf and he's, you know, running away from the car. And, and he, he just shoulder fucking, he throws a shoulder into that poor bastard. Yes. Other stuff. I mean, he, he lays that dude out. And Graf's a big dude. Yeah. And so he blows the car up and he starts running away. And all the looky loos are pointing at, at Graf as he's running down the street. <laughs> and he, like you said, he's clotheslining fuckers. Just that one guy in particular <laughs> just puts him on his ass. Just, I'm, I'm out. I gotta, I gotta go get my other car because I'm, we're, we're, we're robbing places, man. Yeah, man. Something's going down. And right when this happened, Johnny hops out of the car and Mikey throws his car into reverse and slams into a parked car. All they're doing, obviously, it doesn't take very long to figure out, Mike. They're just creating distraction, distraction in a big yeah. way. So there's distraction everywhere in the coin shop in two different spots outside. Also to create a little bit of havoc too for the police that ended up showing up later. They cut to Rafe and Johnny now masked the front door. <laughs> Johnny don't need no mask. Sorry. Johnny don't need no mask, dude. That's uh, heartbreaking. Dude, I was it broke my heart with just like watching Force's face when he responded to it. It was like crazy. Anyway, so now they're, they're at the front door waiting for Sonny to buzz them in. She's fucking on fire, dude. Spittle flying, pointing at gun at that poor bastard. Yeah. Spit flying out right. of her mouth. <laughs> it's just so good. Fucking shoots a hole in the ceiling. And cut back to Mikey. You know, he's blowing up his car. Cut back inside the coin shop and... And now the coin shop owner's like going, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> she just, and by the way, she does this a lot in this movie. And she's backhands the fucker with her gun. Oh, dude. And he just, oh my gosh, at least three times she does this in the movie. And it's always, and it's always somebody like going, oh man, he, he you could have just told him to sit down. He's the kind of guy that would probably just sit down. Yeah. You didn't have to hit him. 
But yeah, she gets off on it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's a shop guard there, and he gets the same treatment from Rafe, and he slams him into the glass display, which is just the beginning of all the glass displays that are about to be destroyed. Oh man, it's, they just say, "Hey, fuck it, let's take the place." And then they start just cracking open um, all the glass displays. They're low with coins, and Sunny goes right to the vault. She's doing her thing in there. I'm like, you, and you, like, she, she pulled out that. I did pull out a coin. It was $77,000 in the case out there, man. What do you got in the vault, man? If you right, got this exactly. out here. So then there's another dude, there's a third person that's working in the coin store. Maybe he's just a customer. I don't know, but Ray busts his head open too. <laughs> just, I'm fuck you. I mean, it seems like Sonny, uh, Sonny's doing all the work in the vault and then Johnny's doing all the work on the cases because Ray's too busy fucking breaking heads open. Rafe's just yelling and fucking tweaking on his fucking smelling salts. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mike comes into the shop. He doesn't need to be buzzed. And now the door's propped open. And he gets shit for, from Rafe for being late. I'm like, ooh, here's, there's another theme there. Running yeah. late. Yeah, running late. Uh, let's just tell it's not you. Good in a, it's no, not good on a job, man. No, especially not a Walter Hill movie, man. Being no. late is not okay. No, sometimes it's the worst. <laughs> So then Mike hits the vault and then he starts helping Sonny like load stuff up and they're exchanging their insults because that's, what, that's they what they do. That's what they do. As they're cleaning the joint out and we cut the graph and he's not, he's outside getting the getaway car. Now the damn gun shop owner who's on the ground reaches up and he doesn't hit the silent alarm because everybody hears it, but he hits the alarm and uh, triggers everybody. Ray goes, oh, you stupid motherfucker. And you know, we get to see his first murder at the movie. Right. Not his last, but his first. No, for sure. And then more more insults being thrown around between Rafe and Mikey again. Clearly, like, I don't think Rafe likes it. I don't think Rafe likes himself. And these masks that yeah. they have on, they're so simple, but they're also so fucking badass. Yeah, they're really, like with the driver, we're seeing things that we've seen in other movies since. Yep. But they were definitely unique to their movies at the time, whether it was 1978 or if it was 1989. Something that people hadn't seen before, but I most certainly have seen since because, you know, homages and all that. Dude, in Drive, that when Ryan Gosling shows up at the pizza joint and he's got the mask on, he's fucking there in a camera's right. looking out the door. That that mask is very similar to this in style. Again, because Reffin loves Walter Hill. Right. Yeah, I, I love that mask that he wears. Now we got Sonny and Rafe, they're leaving the shop and they turn, man. Here's where they, here's where they show their true colors if we didn't already know them. <laughs> right. And they start painting and they just unload on Mikey, man. Um, right. Done. They just toss him into more glass displays and he just, they're fucking them up. And then now they get outside. Well, they open fire on Johnny first and Johnny's like. And then, yeah, they start to turn their guns on Johnny and they just start spraying. But he's quick enough to hide behind with some cabinets and doesn't get hit, thankfully. Cut the graph in the getaway car. Sonny, Sonny, like yelling out, get your fat ass on the car. Get in the car, fat boy. <laughs> get, Where's get, Mikey and Johnny? You need to help. And she's like, oh, they're right here, baby. And then she turns and she, she turns in the back of the neck. Yeah. I mean, dude, not just the back, man. In the back of the neck. It's just. Yep. It's Again, a kill shot. It's the worst. Rafe and Sonny just unload. They empty out their guns. <laughs> what I thought was, again, super efficient. Don't have to set up the shot. We know what happens. We don't yeah. see Alan take all the bullets because we don't need to. No, we know what happens. They're not missing from that range. It's a smarter production by doing that because you don't have to set up the shot. Or the squibs. Or the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they don't have to reset all that bullshit. We know what happens. When you don't see somebody, when somebody gets shot, he's dead. That's it. 
they come back in the, the coin shop and then Johnny rolls Mikey over and takes off his mask and yeah, he slides out for sure. He is dead. He gets up to here squealing as the getaway car leaving him behind. And there is our act one. Boom. Efficient motherfucking movie. Yeah, man. There's less screen time than it took us to describe it. It's just right. And, and so we know good. everything we need to know about all the ma- all, all of the people involved. Yep. It's all set up perfectly there in less than 15 minutes. And this is, and again, the tone of the movie doesn't change, but we're not getting a lot of flashbacks or anything like that anymore. No. And from this point on, we don't need it. It was a perfect storytelling tool in the beginning. Now we're, everything's current. Not a lot of flashbacking going on here anymore. I think you might see one or two things later, but not much. And we cut the prison bars, man. Just this dolly shot of just prison bars everywhere. And Johnny's in jail, man. We're getting one of those lovely uh, Walter Hill three different uh, perspective um, sequences right here, which I love. Yeah. You get that. My first experience of that, of course, was 48 hours and you're getting it. Oh man, so good. Enter Morgan Freeman as Lieutenant AC Drones. He is so good in his fucking movie. I can't tell anybody and describe how good he is in it. He ruined me for Electric Company forever. I'm never going to be able to see him <laughs> as anybody else. Yeah, man. This is the Morgan Freeman I love. And he is... And you can, by the way, I'll say this real quick. In the Dark Knight movies, you get a little bit... When he plays you know, Lucius Fox in that, He, you get a little bit of drones in that. Oh, yeah. When the one kid that works in accounting... It says he's gonna you know, approaches him to say he's gonna blackmail Bruce Bruce Wayne because I know he's Batman. <laughs> that whole little moment right there. Oh yeah, that is pure drones. And like, and I right away when it happened in this movie, when you start getting a taste of drones, it's like, oh shit, I see what he was doing in Dark Knight. Now I get what he was doing. Yeah, man. There's a little bit of a this is this is this, this is what I first sort of discovered Morgan Freeman on this. You know, there was the three movies. Um, there was that was in This Is Now, which he was the bartender buddy who kind of you know, and he's kind of a, a father figure to Mark and Brian. And then the Fantastic Street Smart is like where I really took notice and was like, holy shit. And then this movie, I was like, God, what the fuck? This guy's badass. Right. And if you've seen Street Smart, you'll you'll know the the the, the vibe and delivery we're talking about here. Because this is yeah, I think I made a crack to you about it. I'm like, man, is he is this got a little bit of that leftover from Street Smart? Man, he's so good. And these two have history though. Both drones and Johnny, and they have some kind of history. And oh, yeah, Johnny's done. This is Johnny's uh, second strike, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, dr- and drones knows him. Mean, he's a, he's a local New Orleans low life crime figure. Right. What does he say? He says, "Ah, uh, when I he's monologuing, he's like, I heard an old friend made the house of D again." Yep. And he walks up to Johnny's cell, and this is where seeing him. And he's so the way he carries himself is not like any other movie you've seen him in, and and it just so dope. And he starts pressing Johnny's buttons. You know, he he wants Rafe and Sonny. And he's like, you know, he's, like, he's just poking the bear. Maybe that Johnny's going to cough him up and just give him up, right? You know, talking about how your big brother Mikey's on a slab downstairs and blah, 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 blah. And just giving it to him. And then, you know, he's not going to get what he wants because Johnny just looks at him and goes, you got nothing on me. That's it. Jones calls for the guard and out he goes. But this is just the beginning of many encounters between Jones and Johnny that are just every one of them, again, efficient dialogue and just watching their exchange every time is just so poetic. And they're both just, they both kill the scenes together. Every scene they're in together is so good. 
And sometimes Joan just comes in long enough to say, and off he goes. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they don't waste, you know, they don't waste a lot of screen time or a lot of, you know, and there's no, there's nothing unnecessary when these characters, these characters show up for a purpose. They deliver their dialogue. They're there to give you the information and we move on, which is great. Right. It's almost like he's a, he's a Jiminy Cricket to him the whole time. He's like, I, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Come on, Pinocchio. I'm going to be standing here the whole time waiting to pick you up off the ground with holes in you. You're going to die. But I know what you're doing. You got, you're, you're trying to avenge your, your, your big brother, Mikey, and that's that. And he, he's, he's pressing with this shit like, you're never going to get out of here. <laughs> you're never going to get out of here. You're never going to reach them. You're never going to get that revenge for Mikey. You're never going to get it. He's just doing it because he knows it's all he's thinking about at this point for getting fucked over. Oh, yeah. I love as drones is getting ready to leave the cell. He like has a bag of coins. <laughs> he mm. kind of like just shakes them and goes, ah, oh, the boys found these at the bus station. <laughs> that line, and I wrote this out very specifically because it's so, again, the people who speak in this movie know they have very deliberate. You probably got a lot of people feeling sorry for you because you're such an ugly son of a bitch. I know. But not me. Well, I know what you are on the inside. Nothing but a cheap crook. Yeah, man. Talk about you know, all the noir aspects of it. How is that for like an, a 1930s, yeah. 1940s type of dialogue? A hundred percent, man. It, it comes right. I mean, it, it comes right out of Humphrey Bogart movie, man. Yeah. So good. Now we're kept to our man, David Schramm, playing Vic Dumas, playing Johnny's lawyer. And he's just kind of laying things out for him, man. Here are your choices. <laughs> You can do this, you can do this, or you can get a little bit of this if uh, you help out drones. And he goes, no. Fuck drones. <laughs> so I ain't doing shit for them. And now we cut to Angola Farms. Now, Angola Farms, we just heard a moment ago where drones was uh, reminding Johnny that he and Mikey, you know, kind of grew up together. And the big brother bond, the brother bond grew at Angola Farms when they're at the at prison together. And again, we're intercutting with his trip back to back to prison. Judge telling him he's a second striker, one more felony, and you're in for life. And again, working in the cotton fields, dude. Fuck, Oof. <laughs> man, in Louisiana and the fucking heat in the Oof. summer, and just he swaps out his bag full of cotton, gets himself a new bag to go back to work, and then two dudes just jump him and just start stabbing him. <laughs> Dude, I mean, man, it's it's a, it's a, it's 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 quick, but it's vicious, man. It is vicious, and then of course all the prison guards are coming over there and riding up on horseback, and yeah. people are running everywhere. And at that moment, too, dude, this could be like before cars. The way is all handled, the way the weapons are, they're all on horseback, like you said. At that point, you don't see the car anymore, the truck that he had just passed. No, it looks like it could have been from the eighteen hundreds. Anyways, again. Not just playing with genre, but playing with time. Well, playing with time, playing with, uh, you know, again, it's funny because this sequence, there's a similar sequence, um, you know, when Billy Bear shows up and him and Gans break the prison in 48 hours, right? Like, yeah. you know, shoots the guard and then everybody fucking just runs <laughs> on that work detail. Right. You know, and again, it's a very, uh, this, it's very, this, this, this moment is very much out of a Western. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's, there's, there's several, this movie is also weirdly a Western and a piece of noir kind of running parallel to one another. It's, it's got elements of both. Right. Now we're in an infirmary 
Johnny's like he wakes Fuck, he's up life support. He's fucking yeah. We're getting a monitors P- right POV of drones. It's just he's in his face and drones, man, giving us the information that Johnny needs. Yeah, because those guys that stabbed you, yeah, they're pay out by a cowboy named Rafe. Cowboy, there's a cowboy thing again. Got cowboy, cowboy in the driver, Rafe. man. And by the way, you know, Rachel took over Mikey's bar too. So I'm like, oh, so now we know that the guy that owned all the, that owned the bar or owned too much of his bar for money's owed. Now we know that that Rafe, that Rafe is that guy. He just took right. over the bar fully now. You can't just do that because you murder somebody. You have to have something on him in this case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Drones knows Johnny knows what Rafe did. And he, and he just, he has an opportunity to, to remind Johnny that Mikey's murder still needs to be avenged again. Every- right, and you're going to die right here, bro. So, you know, you should just tell me and I'll take care of this and you'll go to heaven or hell knowing that they're going to get taken care of. Yeah. It's like, you're not getting, you're not getting out it's of not here. Gonna be, but it's not going to be by you. No. <laughs> Drones is so good at fucking needling yeah. people in this totally. movie. God, yeah. It's like pinpricks, dude. It's like the slow death of a thousand pinpricks <laughs> talking to that guy. Yeah, dude, he's he's the worst. But like, anytime you see him, you're like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> here we go again. Yeah. Johnny's in and out of consciousness throughout this, you know, him being laid out because, you know, he almost died again. And he wakes up to Dr. Stephen Rasher, played by the awesome Forrest Whitaker, who's just a babe in this. He's so tiny. Sorry, he's so tiny. He's so new to the world. But man, I think I told you this in a text or something. He, I don't care what scene he's in, who the seasoned people are in front of him. He kills it every time. He holds his own in a way like he can, he comes back at Morgan a couple, couple of times too in this where he's just kind of like, wow, he really, he really delivers. And it says a lot about him because, I mean, at that time, what did we have this same year, right? Or it was a... Um, Good Morning Vietnam was that eighty nine or was that? Uh, that was eighty. That was. It was. I want to say that's eighty nine. Yeah, I want to say he'd also just been in Platoon, like maybe a year before, right? As Big Harold, right? Um, but really, it's funny at this point. Still, he was uh, Roosevelt from Fast Times. Fast Times. High to me, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's in other stuff. He was in the. He was in the Color of Money. Uh, you know, he hustled Newman. But he was building this, you know, he was building his dossier of, uh, you know, and, and look, he's always held his own in all those movies yeah. and scenes with, you know, dude, he's acting opposite Paul Newman in the uh, in the Color of Money. And I mean, like, didn't bat an eye. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he's great in this movie and his, you know, his, his, his empathy for Johnny and, you know, sort of taking on this, uh, I don't want to say father figure or big, but maybe like a big brother kind of thing, you know, and, and you know, the stuff with him, him and Freeman is so good. So good. And cause you're getting a great moment too. You see Russia, you're seeing him as a caring, empathetic and sympathetic doctor and you're, you're seeing his demeanor, but then he recognizes the kind of person that drones is. It's just like, man, I, I can see right through you. I know who you are. I know what you're doing. But Russia tells Johnny, Hey man, you're back in the city now. So they're, 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 you know, he's not, he's not out uh, at the prison anymore. And he tells me he's got this program for reconstructive surgery. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but 1989, I've never really thought about plastic surgery in the way that it gets utilized in this movie. But I did my fair share at the, of research over the years on, on other projects I was working on scripts I was, I was writing to find out how 
how frequent this kind of stuff is used and not just the simple changing of a jaw or, you know, nose jobs or whatever. We can mildly change somebody's appearance, but do this full reconstructive surgery of somebody who has the kind of condition that Johnny's got. You get a right with doctors without borders too. I was that, was that uh, miles of smiles or whatever the crap it is. Yeah, like, mild, yeah exactly. I was just going to say, yeah. Um, where, where they fix the cleft palates and, and all that stuff for, for people around the world, which he has, which is part of his problem. But he's got some other deformities that right, which are we, we sort of get a little backstory, right? They're you know they're brought on by his mother's uh, uh she, his mother was an alcoholic, so right. I mean, yeah, it, it's funny. It's uh the makeup. He he looks a little like Eric Stoltz in Mask, but way scarier and yeah, kind of not as I don't know, man. I I, I find it to be less distracting in this movie than it is in Mask. <laughs> Rusher just says to Johnny, like after he explains him what he does, like, hey, how would you like a new face? Right, like, and a new chance at life. To cut the, you know, Rusher is recording his current findings into his recorder, and then Drones walks up and identifies himself and starts to question him about Johnny Handsome. And this is what I was talking about before, man. And and Forrest plays it super aloof, you know, but he, but he knows exactly who he's talking about when he said when he starts talking about Johnny. He goes. Yeah, John Sedley, you know, the pretty boy. And Rusher says, that's not a very nice thing to say. And what does Drone say? He wasn't a very nice man. Wasn't. Wasn't. Like he's dead already. Right. Yeah, so good. Well, I think, you know, again, this is some foreshadowing, right? Like, um, uh, you know, to being dropped on us. He he wasn't a very nice man. No. The story's going somewhere. And maybe, you know... Maybe Morgan Freeman knows more than we know, or, you know, but uh, I, I felt it was a little bit of foreshadowing, like, uh, you know, just subtly dropped in there. Um, he's not, he ain't dead yet, Doc. Yeah. Doc said he's ain't dead yet. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. And this is where we get our first and thinking that the rare superimposition in a, well, Walter Hill project four weeks later. Because I was, I mean, there's no other way of yeah, <laughs> talking exactly. about time. Unless you're gonna be super cute with inserts of calendars and shit, but we're not doing that. <laughs> no. So now Johnny's been well enough from from his attack. He's you know he's healed enough to where Rusher can move on and do that first procedure that that he wants to do on him, but he still hasn't have Johnny's approval yet. It's, which I still think it's funny. I'm like, I guess you know he's in jail, but they can't just do shit to him. <laughs> right. right. He, yeah. Exactly. You can't just start experimenting on people. Right. I mean, maybe you could. And this is when we're, when he's talking to him about his in about his mother and his father and the you know and the surgeries and stuff that he went through as a as a kid you know all those failed surgeries and he's pitching them hard you know that hey man medical science is a lot better than it used to be when you were younger and 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 then he just Johnny just looks at him and says this experiment is bullshit yeah I'm still gonna be Johnny handsome dude soul crushing right there right right doesn't matter what you do. The life I've led up to this point is always going to be who I am inside. It doesn't matter what you do to my face. That's basically what he's saying. Oh, yeah. And then Rusher looks at him and says, I will give you a new name. I will give you a new face. I will give you a new identification and a chance. And a prison furlough. (laughs) (laughs) And a chance at a new life. And then he just just sways him instantly because he realizes that this is my chance to... Or he, yeah, he, this is this is uh, this is my chance for revenge. Cause you can see it in his eyes, man. Yeah. Even behind that, you know, through the makeup and the mask, yeah. you can 
see it in Rourke's eyes. That's one of the things I loved about Rourke before he, you know, went off the deep end um, is that he was an actor that always looked like there was something going on, man. You look in his eyes and, yeah. you know, the, the wheels are always turning. And he just kind of looks at him and says, you do that. Fix up my face. And it kind of like motions to his face. Fix up my face. Because it, it was just like in a moment, like in a finger snap, he realized if I look like somebody else, I can do yeah. what I need. It's the beginning steps of me trying to do what I need to do. Cut to the harp on the outside, which we discover is basically the torchies of the movie, which is no yes. torchies, which surprised me. I thought maybe. I was shocked. I was a little shocked too that yeah. there's no torchies. You know, also there's no Larry Gordon producing this movie, weirdly enough. I meant to mention that earlier. Right. And that's why I was kind of, I was hinting at it before and I kind of didn't come back around to it when we were talking about how Walter didn't really, was more like a gun for hire, at, you know, for this one, because of, like we said, for the, through the, the, the carousel of, of possible directors on it. Well, it's funny because this is this was made with Carol Co. Right? This is uh, Mario Casar and yeah, and Andrew Vajna. He did Extreme Prejudice, Red Heat, and um, Johnny Handsome with those guys. No Lord, no Larry Gordon. And they probably just weren't going to have it. Or is Larry Gordon probably just like fuck these guys? <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Oh, he was doing something else. Sure. I mean, it's not like he's not a busy dude. Not everything he produces has got Walter directing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so we cut to the harp and Sonny look, overlooks the bar floor and, and while Rafe is reading his newspaper about Johnny's quote unquote death from being attacked by other prisoners in Cottonfield. And he's just so proud of himself. I told you I'd get that geek. I told you I'd get him. I get that geek. <laughs> just, and this is the first time that we get to see Sonny and Rafe and how they actually are together. They are Al and Peg Bundy, like amplified. Southern, Dude, like yeah. If the Bundys Peg. were, if the Bundys were white trash coke fiends, <laughs> um, yeah, this would be them. And, and this is their usual thing. Their routine is to exchange and throw insults at each other to the point where, you're like, is one of you going to pull a gun on the other one? I mean, I mean, you're just always waiting for it, right? But that's one of the classic noir. You know, that you find that uh, you know the, the hero always kind of finds the you know finds the crack in the fucking relationship with the baddies and, you know, tries to drive that fucking wedge. And, you know, these guys are, you know, these two make it real easy <laughs> to real figure easy. out. Yep. <laughs> like, totally. oh boy, there's something, there's something that's not going on there. And, or what is it going on or is it not going on? And, the, and again, super, I can't super efficient storytelling to go from this moment where Sonny and Rafe think and they're they know anyway in their heads that johnny handsome is dead and they cut to them prepping for johnny's surgery because yeah the old johnny is dead you're gonna they're about to, you're about to crack open the beginnings of a new johnny john sedley 2.0 if you will and so they're they're prepping you're seeing a montage of people taking photographs and facial mapping in the surgery, just kind of going through all that. I'm like, it's so, such a great moment where you're just kind of like, you're setting right. up the whole. Like they're, they're cutting it away. Yeah. Johnny is such a controlled man. And you see that from the very beginning too. Right. When they're first meeting and he's talking about, he's like, I don't like them. And he's not over the top about it. He's just very matter of fact, crazy that he's just so controlled. You never know what he's on his mind that's what's so bitching Interesting about thing about Johnny Handsome is that Johnny reacts to everybody else. Like he's a, he's reactionary, right? Like 
everybody comes at him with the big dialogue and the, you know, right. and Johnny just kind of reacts to what is, you know, right from the beginning, right from the scenes with Mikey early on, uh, through the whole Ellen Barkin insulting the shit out of him. Right. I mean, he just, he kind of reacts to his environment, uh, you know, and he's been shaped that way since a kid because of that physical handicap. Right. And, and, and to your point, um, when they first have that meeting where they're saying all their shit, Mikey steps between them because he knows that Johnny's not going to say shit. Right. He's like, he's been here all his life. He's, he, it's not worth it to him to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, he's but, like tone deaf yeah, to that shit. Yeah. So now we cut to Rescher and he's having his his uh, young Frankenstein moment. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> with a, with the room full of doctors and he's going to do his first uh, reveal after this, the first series of procedures that Johnny's had done to him to show him off to the doctors. Cause that's kind of, you know, he's the go-to guy for reconstructive surgery in this building and, and maybe even the country. So now we're seeing a much improved Johnny and they're like, Whoa. And then, and then now here's a, here's an opportunity, very limited dialogue, but you got just enough to know what he sounds like. And now his pal has been rebuilt. And then he can, you kind of hear him saying he's much better now. He can breathe better. And you're seeing that, man, when he inhales and he through his nostrils, yeah, the look in Rourke's face is just like, it's, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. He just kind of like, that's a man who's never been able to breathe properly his entire life. And, yeah. and it just shows in his face, man. Like all of us know what it's like to be stuffed up from having a bug or something cold or whatever and know how, how much it affects your, your being. And when you get a little bit of relief, what a massive improvement it is. But this poor man's had a fucked respiratory system forever. And now he's got the ability to breathe like everybody else. And it's just life-changing for him. And then this is where we get to introduce an introduction to the speech pathologist and this is Sister Luke and who's fucking so good in this dude. She's dude. like, she's so great. And how many movies give you a speech therapist? None. Yeah. So good. <laughs> and she comes up and says, as Johnny's talking, much better resonance. Thanks to the operation, you've got the equipment. Now we'll have to see if you can learn to use it. Oh my gosh, dude. So good. Right? Just and dropping that little bit of knowledge on him. So good. And, and this is another, and this, I made a little note about this too. This would make a great, it just would be a fun thing maybe to do a featurette, not only necessarily on the movie, but somebody like a speech, speech pathologist and do a little thing about what Sister Luke does for Johnny in this movie and call it Mama Made Some Lemon Jam. You know, <laughs> call it that. <laughs> and do a little segment on on like a real life uh, speech pathologist. I think it would be kind of cool, but that's just me. Hear that? Shout Factory. Come on, Shout Factory. Come on. That and Leonetti shot the shit out of it. Get to it. <laughs> those, those are two featurettes. I guarantee you I will buy that. I'm going to buy it anyway. You can give me We're a giving strip. it to you. Um, yeah, damn it. Anyway, so she says to him, he's he, when she walks in, he's like, Mama made, he's standing in front of the mirror to watch his mouth move and everything. And he's like, and this line that she's given him to say is, Mama made some lemon jam. That really focuses on, uh, allows him to focus on making sure he's not too nasally when he speaks because he's always spoken that way. Right. And he struggles a few times, but then you can hear him and just improve the phrase while she's kind of helping him through it and how to breathe better and breathe differently because he has to breathe differently now. He's not breathing through his mouth anymore like he used to, which obviously can affect your speech. 
And so it's really cool because you just see the pride in his face, like, holy shit, I sound like a normal person. And it, again, Rourke's performance just says so much with very little dialogue and just his, he acts, man, he emotes. Yeah. And it's fucking rad. Like, like, like we had, didn't say that enough when we had a brief conversation about Angel Heart, you know, he's just. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. This is where um, Rusher gets into a little bit more about his youth and, and talking about his mother and then he didn't really know her real good and. This gets to the fucking, as if you don't already feel for this guy, because you want to get as exact as revenge. But now you get a moment where he tells a story where he went to Carlisle and he's another Carlisle kid, right? Oh, and, yeah, man. And this Carlisle kid, when he tells, when, when Johnny tells him this story, it's just fucking brutal. So he says that, yeah, there's this kid Carlisle in school. He was a big fat kid. <laughs> he was like, I love how he just, he yeah, just right? calls it like it is. Like, even though he's somebody got teased, like, bottom line is this, he's a fat kid. <laughs> and everybody was going to, you know, this whole plan, we're going to play a prank on him and see a big fat kid. Carlisle walks up to Johnny, as he's saying, Johnny's telling story. Carl walks up to him and takes off his mask and says, Johnny doesn't need no mask. <sighs> And then all the kids are laughing and they start saying it too. Johnny don't need no mask. Johnny don't need no mask. And he's just kind of going off and goes, and then just pauses. And then <laughs> Rusher's looking at him like, well, what did you do? And I love it because he doesn't say the words. He just looked, look in his face. He's like, well, what, what happened? He goes, I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> beat the shit out of him. <laughs> he was just. Duh. That's all he could do. That, that's always been Johnny's reaction to things is, is to Violence. lash out. And yeah, man. It's like. But it's still, you you kind of chuckle at the same time, but you're like, oh, it's, it just tears you up. Because, like, can you imagine an eight-year-old boy hearing that shit? Fuck. Dude, yeah. kids are punks, man. <laughs> Dude, kids are mean. They're brutal. Yeah. So now we're going through round two of procedures. And, like, can yeah, efficient use and just the pacing in this movie is so fucking good. And while he's under, he's having flashbacks to the robbery of the coin shop. And he's just... We all know that feeling, right? Whether it's a fever-induced dream or you you get hopped up on some meds while you're recovering oh, yeah. from something. You know the kind of flashbacks it's having. And again, it's less flashback. He is more of like you know fever dream, if you will. And now we're at the second reveal. Holy shit, dude. This is fucking so good, dude. I love this moment. This whole sequence is so good. And now they, they unwrap him and you see Forrest's face. Right. And you just got like, like, whoa, like you, you were a different dude. And then now we pull, he just tells, he says to him, he goes, you know what? You need to, you need to take a look at yourself. Right. And he looks at himself in the mirror. Right. And then, and then other, and the reflection in the mirror we see other than one, two little small scars, this is the Mickey work that we know, especially from 1989. I'm like, oh yeah, my man. gosh, there he is. And in his perfect non nasal delivery, when he's asked, what do you think, John? Because you people did a terrific job. I feel like I'm still wearing a mask. Yeah. It's just. Oh. And, and it doesn't, I mean, dude, and Rourke's performance is so honest in this movie. Yes. It's the other thing, right? It's like. Yeah. You you never you never don't believe him. You're you're never like eh, he's just you know. I mean, to that moment when he turns around and the look on his face and the way he's touching himself, he's touching his face like he's you know, like what is what is, you know? It's yeah, it's, it's so good, man. Yeah, so good. Really, just again, his performance and everybody else's performance and is just just top notch. And again, you 
you have instant empathy for the dude and you have sympathy for him because we've all been picked on for one degree or another, whether at some point, at some point. So we know some of us had big eyes when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us were too tall. Some of us were a foot taller than everybody else in class and got called giraffe or here's one for you or had big feet like I did. And I got called Ronald McDonald feet. (laughs) Oh, that's rough. I got called frog boy and Freddie the frog. See, dude, fuck the, what was that fucking show? <laughs> Newsy review, right? It's fucking yeah, blame totally. them. Fucking assholes. I blame them 100%. So we cut outside the hospital, man. Oh my gosh. As if drones couldn't be a bigger dick, man. Right? He's just leaning against Dr. Rusher's car. Yep. Outside the hospital. And he's just kind of like, oh, is this your car? He's like, you fucking know, dude. Right. Here, here he comes with the pinpricks again. He's got him in both hands. So he asked about John. He's like, you know, his prognosis is good. I think you're going to be surprised of who John Sedley is now. And then just like his Jones, Jones's reaction to everybody that says something like this, that, you know, is siding with Johnny and, and really wants him to, to overcome his, his, uh, his life's foibles. Jones just tells, tells Rasher, like he's putting one over on you, man. <laughs> just, yeah. You don't, this is, this is, this dude is bad news and he's fooling all of you. I mean, Rusher starts to give it to him, right? I love the look in Freeman's face. He's got this sarcastic, feigned expression on his face, oh, yeah. like he's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh really? Oh, oh, really? Oh, oh, really? It just, oh, I love the look in his oh. face. It's so cold. Oh, man. And that's the face I was talking about with the dark night. He does that face. And when that, when that kid talks about blackmail, Bruce Wayne was oh, so really? fucking good. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's what you're going to do, huh? All right. Oh, really? Go for we'll it. See about that. Yeah, and it's just just a great little. And again, anytime those two are on screen together, they have a great exchange. And then we cut to Johnny, and he's looking at his day one photos of himself. <sighs> yeah, and he, I mean, he's yeah. This whole piece. Here's drones. Like we get two scenes in a row of drones, and he comes walking in <laughs> with two with a with this great line. That he actually uses a second time in the movie, which I think is fucking rad. He walks in and sees the new Johnny and just says, well, bless my ass. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, you think that was written or you think that just Foreman, or do you think Freeman just said that? Uh, he could have. He could have just wheeled it. and Well, just, bless my ass, yeah. Johnny. And he's, and Drones is genuinely impressed with the physical changes. And it, just for a blink of an eye, he's back. He's like, you're thinking like, wow, he's really impressed with him. But then he goes right in on him. He's looking at him like, he's looking at him the way you look at, like, he's looking at him the way that uh, Robert Prosky was looking at Christine (laughs) when (laughs) he came into the garage, right? And the first time he saw Christine, he's like, oh, that's how drones is looking at Johnny right now (laughs) for a brief second. And he starts pressing him about Rafe right away because he's like, well, shit. All right, then. Well, maybe, maybe there is something to this. Maybe I can use you to help get these fucking morons. And he's and he's the idea of exacting of uh, his revenge is there. It's there. He can do it because now he doesn't. He's already got the one thing. He's got that. He's got the. He's got the, the element of surprise available to him now. He doesn't look yeah. anything like he used to. So he's Johnny Handsome's to, dead. This yep. is Johnny Mitchell. Yeah. And then we cut to Resher now, and Resher is giving his physical eval. Johnny a physical eval, and he's talking about eventual parole, that kind of thing. And then he says, hey, how do you feel about me putting you on a work release program? He just kind of like, uh, how do you feel about this, man? And then he hands him a passport. 
And he's got a new identity. John Mitchell. He used to be Johnny former Mitchell. Navy and everything. And then and then that's it, man. Johnny's in. And I'm like going, fuck, just like that, man. Old Johnny Handsome is dead. Yeah. Long live Johnny Mitchell. Rise of Johnny <laughs> Mitchell. But he's still Johnny Handsome. As he said earlier in the movie, I'm always going to be Johnny Handsome. Right. No matter what you do to me. So he starts working in a shipping yard. This is the the work release, the work for, you know situation that Doctor Rusher has put you know, produced for him again. It's I don't think he's the only con that works there. No, nope, not not by a long shot. But he's also not under the guy. He, he's still under the guise of a con, but he's not under the guise of John Sedley. Right. He's he's got a whole whole history, new identity, a whole, whole new backstory, a whole history mapped out for him. That he was in the Navy and all that stuff and. Do they really say what he supposedly did? No, 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 no. It might be on the, it might be on his paperwork, but you know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So when anyway, we see a little montage of him working down at the, at the uh, Dock. shipyard doing his thing, we cut to him going to accounting or payroll. I kept writing down payroll. Like he was accounting and he's like, he's, they'd show an insert shot of his check. And I'm like, first of all, I deposit. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the check meant, you know? Like a typical paycheck stuff, but I couldn't figure out like, oh, how much is he getting paid? I want to see what he's getting paid. Right. What was he ma- what was he making back in the day? Right. Anyway, so he he gets to accounting and he starts asking some randos, like, hey man, I need to talk to somebody about my check and and then Elizabeth. And what is this line? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what what is this? Elizabeth McGovern sees him. Uh she's playing Don McCarty and she calls him over. Man, her accent in this, geez, dude. I, I I would have never imagined her with a Southern accent like that. And oh, right. Especially a Louisiana accent. Right. And she nails it. Totally. She's great. Yeah. And uh, so he starts asking, she's looking at his check and he's like, I, I'm I'm concerned about this. And here comes the man. Peter Jason walks up <laughs> playing Mr. Bonnet. And he lets, you know, he lets Johnny know, like, now the deduction you asked for is for those work clothes you're wearing, man. Everything's accurate. There's no problem here. And he's like, oh, all right, well, whatever. Because <laughs> Johnny's well-versed. He tells him, like, yeah, man, I know what the government's supposed to take. What the fuck's this charge? Right. And that's what he He's basically saying he knows that they're stealing from him. Yeah. And then, of course, Donna stands up for him, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Obviously, where like, Mr. Bond's going to come back into play later because you don't just bring Peter Jason in and say three lines and fucking walk off. Oh, no. Not in this movie, anyway. <laughs> So the day's over, the work horn blares, everybody's leaving. And then we see Donna and then Johnny approaches Donna, you know, and just says, hey, thank you for standing for your boss. You know, he's kind of a dick, <laughs> that whole thing. She's like, oh, you're fair to ask what was wrong, man. That's your, that's your right. You didn't do anything wrong. And he's kind of like, well, thank you anyway. And he starts to walk off and she offers him a ride home. And he said, no, 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 I'm good. And she goes, no, no, I'll give you a ride home. And I'm like, all right, man. It's been a long time for yeah. John Sidley. <laughs> apparently it's been a long time for Donna McCarty too, man, working in that damn accounting office. As they're driving, she's talking about, when, you know, she takes one day a week off from, from from work so she can study to be a CPA. and Because she doesn't want to be working for that place anymore. But she knows that she's going to keep, she wants to become a CPA. She's not going to be able to do it one day a week and she's going to be paying out the ass if she ever gets student loans. And she's like, right. And she's, you know, she's hooked in with a bad guy. We get like, you know, yeah. again, in the one scene, we get all of the, you know, and it comes naturally too, man, of the, as them in the car talking. And again, Rourke does this thing where he, the way he's looking at her, 
yeah. listening to her story. You, you, there's a moment where you're like, man, maybe Johnny Handsome, maybe things are going to work out for Johnny Handsome. Yeah. When we cut to Johnny now talking to Resher about Donna, he says, like, yeah, I met this woman. He seems really excited that, 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 you know, to talk about her with somebody because nobody knows who he is. This new right. life that he's been in, injected into, the only person that knows him in that life is Resher. It's the only person he sees in the regular. And, you know, the random appearances from drones <laughs> right. to fuck with his day, remind him who he really is. But then Resher kind of pushes him, you know, it's like, hey, what, what do you think? Do you think you can expand on things with You're going to pursue this, John? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, well, how can I? He's like, I'm a piece of shit, dude. I can't do this. You know, I can't. How can I How can I take her down this shitty road that, you know, that I've been traveling on all my life? Fuck that. Because he's still the 30-year-old dude that's like. Yeah. Look. Just been fucked with all, all his life. Right. I mean, right. They can fix your face, but they can't fix your psyche. Yeah. And then uh, we we see Johnny a little bit of a cut and lots lots of intercutting, and we see uh, Johnny at payphone. He calls four one one for a number because now man, he's going to reach out to her. So he calls her and they meet up. And this is where she tells him about Earl, the guy that works at the shipping yard, and that she sees on and off, and that she's he's the dude's like stealing office machines, like you know, and and she's cooking the books for him, you know, just to make it so they can walk off and sell his shit off and. She won't stop doing it because he's she's worried and he'll turn her in. And uh, Johnny just gives another one of his great lines. He goes, "Sometimes there's ways of working these things out." Because of Johnny and Russia again, and he's you know con confiding in him some more about Donna and explained in the situation with Earl. And she's he just kind of like, "Fuck, man, that sucks." And uh, we he doesn't really say much more other other than you know that's terrible, Johnny. We're back to the shipping yard now. And Johnny approaches Earl, and this dude we don't know is Earl. Only, only knows his name is Earl because he calls him Earl. <laughs> Earl, it's like Earl, you're Earl. Hey, Earl, man, you gotta leave Donna alone, man. She's a nice girl. Yeah, back off. And then Earl like just steps to him and just <laughs> after his and says it just threatens him like, well, you know, you're, you're fucking with the wrong guy. Don't fuck with me. And then Johnny. Such the casualest way, in such a controlled way. Yeah. Pulls out a knife and puts it right under his chin. Dude. And just, this is the first time that we're seeing the Johnny that Drones has been talking about for the right. last 30 minutes of the movie, 40 minutes of the movie. And you're like, fuck. That not very nice person who lives inside. Right. You think at that point, when you're hearing, he's just a very, not a very nice guy. I'm like, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a little life that like, that it's a criminal. He steals. All right, well, all right, well, you know what? You can say what you want about that. But now you're starting to see who he is, who he really is. And this is the guy that drones is worried about being out in the world. So, dude, he just he just threatens Earl with his knife. And the way he kind of like moves under his chin. Dude, and dude, I was just gonna say cheek. and the way he's and Rourke has, I mean, Rourke is fucking <laughs> the last person I would trust as an actor with a knife right. <laughs> might be Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, but because, you know, he's like method, but I mean, because he's literally pressing that scan, man, and you see it. Right. And, the, and it's not a rubber. It certainly isn't a rubber knife. It's a dull, but it's a real knife. Yeah. When he is rubbing the knife all over his face, it's like when you see some skeevy fucker 
using the back back of his fingers and his hands, like all, yeah. wiping it all over a over over a girl's a young girl's face. It's a lot like the scene in The Driver where Teeth shoves the uh, pistol barrel into the mouth oh, yes. of um, of the of the connection. Of the connection, yeah, yeah, man. It's 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 a it's it's very similar. Like it's it, again, I said there's always a point in every movie when we talked about that. This bothers me more than anything else in the movie is the knife to the throat. Just the way he yeah. breaks it across the face. It's just very unnerving. Yeah, it's oof, man. When you see how controlled he is with the knife, too, then you're realizing that all right, he's got him. He's got a, his plan to exact his revenge for Mikey's death, you know, he's got a, he's got a perfectly planned out beat for beat. You, I instantly thought that I'm like, that's oh man. If he's that controlled that he understands he's, he's, he's a psychopath, man. He's got that way of doing things. He understands and he's super smart. And that's the fucking terrible combination. When you tough, you know, couple in the bouts of violence that may come out of him and we're, we know they come out of him. So, so we kept the sister Luke and Johnny and they're talking about Donna. And again, this is not unlike point of no return here. You know, when we're getting those moments where if you think about it, Resher is Bob mm-hmm. and uh, sister Luke is Ann Bancroft. Yes. Thank you. She's Ann Bancroft in point of no return. So the same thing you got, we get another earthquake. We just did. Oh, well, maybe. You feel? Did you feel it? I did. <sighs> oh, yeah, I saw all. The, I saw a bunch of movement out my window. It was like all. Oh, the, it all rolled the, to you. Yeah, the crows just fucking all flew off. Damn. Um. Only so. So, Sister Luke and and Johnny are talking about Donna, and she's current. She's encouraging him. Like, hey, tell her. Does she know about you? Does she know about your history? And he kind of alludes to, you know, I not haven't told her. He's like, and she just encouraging him, tell her. Cause you'll know if you tell her and she runs off, then good. Then you're not wasting your time. You right. know, it's, I love how pragmatic sister Luke is. <laughs> Even though she's, she's a nun, she's not the usual type of nun who's she's she's very practical and she's like a, well she's like a real person too right. so it's not like the stereo you know it's not like mother superior in um silent night deadly night <laughs> right <laughs> punish um, punish william <laughs> so and he turns and thanks her for everything that that both her and Rasher have done for him and like i'm like oh man he's setting it up man he's <laughs> i'm gonna Something bad happens to me. I've already set my piece, and and he wants to make sure they understand that. So now Johnny goes up, and he's back in payroll at the shipyard, and he wants to cash his check. And we already heard them talking earlier. Um, Donna was talking earlier about how, yeah, the machines pay. We get paid by machines, and this happens when the machine does this for us, and this machine does that for us. These machines are going to take over. So now we're seeing him at an ATM machine again, which is really weird for 89 I mean, this is still an you know an ATM card. De- yeah. The word debit card wasn't a thing yet. They, no, it you, was just and you could only use that card in an ATM machine. Yeah, you couldn't that, swipe it. Nope, couldn't do any of that shit. They were good for taking cash out, and that's yep. it. So he rolls up and uh, goes to the ATM. In this case, I'm not even calling an ATM yet. Were they? Were they still fully calling it like an automated teller? They were still I think they were just, yeah, I think they were just called automated tellers. So he walks up and cashes his check. And then as he's standing there cashing his check, 
the door to the cash room was open and then he looks inside and just sees the stacks and stacks of cash. I mean, this looks like a fucking racetrack type of thing. Like yeah. in Beverly Hills Cop 2 when they're roughing the, race, the racetrack. That's what it looks like. It's just stacks of money. Yeah. Or... In the town. Yeah. Or the killing or... <laughs> right. <laughs> Every or, movie. Or, or. Yeah, Every, there's, that, there's that moment. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just money for days. And then kind of like, again, controlled, casually turns around, looks away, sees Donna and she like waves to him. Johnny's not a guy you want to play poker with. No. Cause he's got, he's got one face. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, he's got well, two faces. Now he's got, now he's got a second <laughs> new face, but still either face, not good for playing poker with. No. So we cut to them kind of uh, Donna and, and Johnny out together, kind of doing a little, a montage because they're 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 having some dialogue and he's talking about the possibility of making parole and 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 he's and he's just trying to push her away because all he's thinking about is the big picture. He's he in sense he's coming closer to her and he's liking her and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. And he because of what he has planned, something bad could happen to her. And he's just and he's something trying bad's to, gonna happen to somebody. Right. Either him, her, them, all of them, yeah. everybody. And she's just kind of like, hey, I'm a big girl, <laughs> you know, and then, then then they do the deal, right? They do the deed. They do the deed. And then we see this parole's been approved. We get to the stamp onto his paperwork. Oh, man. And then drones is <laughs> busting his ass right in front of Resher and Sister Luke. You know, Ryan reminding me, hey, you're the same old crook you've always been. <laughs> but, yeah. But you, here you are, new face, new identity out in the world. Cut to Johnny Handsome and packing up his room to leaving, literally leaving his old life behind. And off he goes. And what is he, what's his first stop, man? What's his first stop when he leaves his wayward home? He's like now paroled. Where is it? Where does he go? He goes right to the heart, man. Goes right to the heart, man. Right to the heart. He is like. Third act is engaged, motherfuckers. We're going. And he sees Sonny at the bar and starts chatting him up, talking about Rafe. And she's just looking at him like, who the fuck are you? She's also looking at him like, like she wants peace. Yeah. It's been a while. Me and Rafe ain't getting it on. <laughs> We're not doing anything anymore. He's not telling her who he is, obviously. And he's just kind of like, it'll come to you. <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> just give it time. Yeah. And he says, like, I want to talk to Rafe about a job. And she's just kind of like, well, he's not around, sweetie, and all that stuff. And and then she goes, let me see if I can find something for you. And she walks off, cut to looking up, and you see Rafe and, and Sonny over in there overlooking their uh, owner's office. They're looking down the bar, and they're just looking down there. And they're <laughs> go right back to insulting each other again, <laughs> to pulling the Bundys and yelling at, you know, giving each other shit. And this is when our man, J.W. Smith, playing Larry, shows up to, to Johnny and says, hey, someone wants to meet you. Johnny just looks at him and says, I'll be outside. And outside he goes. And then outside the harp, now we see Sonny, Larry, and Rafe come out to meet Johnny. And they're just kind of walking towards him. And like, what do you want, motherfucker? I'm outside. You got me outside. What do you want? And then, of course, he identifies himself as John Mitchell and starts pitching him. I don't know you guys. I don't know you. Yeah. Oh, I know you. I know you. And then the, uh, the prestige job. Yeah. And then they both just fucking, dude, they, in the unison, they both do that. Right. Their eyes get big. <laughs> they, they both, I love their reaction yeah. to that line. 
He's like, you and YS, you don't know me. He's like, sure I do. You and Sonny both in the prestige job from Johnny Handsome. And she's like, like I said, like you said, what the fuck? What? What, dude? And so right, he, they both draw their guns. And- yeah. So gnarly. And, and in context, in, a, in this whole sequence, he's pitching him this big payroll heist job. And and he's like, there's a five million bucks. And this explains to him the whole thing where he, he says all these... Everything is paid up on a machine there, man. So they got cash twice a month, man. And it's just hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash just sitting there waiting to be picked up by us. It's just a great exchange, too. Like, and it shows, man. doesn't matter who Sonny and Rafe encounter. <laughs> They're still the same fuck-offs that they've oh, always yeah. been. Over the top. Blah, blah, blah. So he explains himself about knowing Johnny Handsome. He's like, yeah, I worked at the hospital where Johnny was at, which is how I heard about you. And then to the, the kind of go their own way. But before Sun, before that, Sonny says the, sorry, Ray says to Sonny, hey, you need to check that guy out. <laughs> like she wasn't going to anyway. Right. She's like, oh, and, and you know, like I said earlier, she's like, oh, no problem. Because I got things that I need to do for him and for him to do for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is where, isn't that, isn't this where he has his great line? We got time in together, baby. <laughs> So we get to another bar. It's another bar now. It's not It's not the heartbreak anymore because, you know, now Sonny's going to start putting the moves on Johnny. Part of her her personal needs and the needs of Rafe as well. And she's getting on him, trying to convince him to, like, let's double cross Rafe. Fuck him. You know, he he gave me nothing for the prestige job. You know? <laughs> right. Nothing because he totally cut me out. And he put all the money in that fucking bar. And then just doing this whole exchange, a little flirty thing that she's going by. She's just going hard because I, I want, I don't need some, I need some right. sex. Well, let's cut to the chase. So they do. They bone, apparently, <laughs> because they're back at a, at his apartment, right? And he's, she's in the bathroom, and she, dude, she goes, they're done that, they're done doing the deed, and they're, and she's some more pillow talk, right? But then she goes right back at him again, just like Drones is going right at him about the about avenging Mikey's death. She can't let up about cutting Rafe out, and she's just, I mean, she doesn't, she's not wasting time. This set, this scene is like what sixty to ninety seconds, something yep. like that, and she goes, and she wastes no time going. That, yeah, let's do this. Hey, man, sometimes when guys are so nice, to, when I'm really nice to somebody else, they're a little bit happier about it. <laughs> He's just kind of like, fuck it, whatever. I'm not a happy dude. Cut to payroll, and there's our man drones. There's Morgan Freeman strolls up to Donna. <laughs> hey, right? let's talk about your boyfriend. <laughs> dude, and drones is, the, I love the way that drone is with everybody. He's the exact same way. He's he's that he's like the evil Jiminy Cricket. Yep. But is he really evil? No, man. He's just on the right side of the law, in, right. in his mind anyway. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, he's gonna get what he wants. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> and he and the great thing about him is Jones is so resourceful. He is, anytime somebody new comes into play in Johnny's life, he's there to put to plant seeds of doubt in their mind about yeah, who. and to press those buttons. Yeah, he's and he's great at it. Not just the character, but the way Morgan plays him. Oh, so good. Like he said, I wonder how much of the. Uh, how much is ad lived? If we have, if this damn bullshit ever lifts and I can go down to the WGA library, I'm gonna pull the script for a second and look and see if I would love to read the script for this. I want to see it bless my, you know, bless my asses. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it bless my asses in there. I want to see, you know, uh, yeah, man. I, I'm just curious how much of it was there on the page. Yeah, at, or you know, and how, or how much is because I feel like Freeman is kind of probably 
a very instinctual actor. You know, oh, yeah. Based on, you know, his body of work. Right. And she, it, it, Drones is just giving it to her. And like, uh, like he's not who you think he is. Just putting his little things in his mind. And like, not overselling it like he's doing with other people, like with Rusher. And she just turns to him and says, you got it. He's really trying. He's really doing his best. And he just laughs at her. Straight out laughs at her. But the with the same exchange, like he gave Resher when he was sitting out in his car, like, oh, yeah. He's like, last oh. bless my soul. <laughs> you really are a nice girl. <laughs> you really are. Which basically means, man, you are so naive. It makes me want to throw up. Yep. That's how he, I mean, that's what he's saying. But he's saying, you really are a nice girl. Yeah. Johnny's a lucky guy. <laughs> one of the things that he's, you know, planting, one of those seeds that he's planting in her head is the fact that, have you seen him a lot lately? Is he, you know, is he ducking you? And, and to look in her face, I'm like, oh yeah, he's been ducking her all right. Well, right. first of all, he's been planning a robbery. Plus he's been distancing himself because right. he doesn't want her to get hurt. And yeah, the he's less- He's planning his exit. Yep. That's because he's, he might be Johnny Mitchell now, but he's still Johnny Handsome. Not a very nice person inside. Nope. So then Donna approaches Johnny and starts asking him, like, well, why are you ducking me? You know? <laughs> why, are you- why are you ducking me, Johnny? You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this right now. Yeah, and he just cuts her loose, man. And he's just trying to protect her. Literally. And that's all That's all he's doing. He tried to do it before with words and, you know, uh, earlier. Just saying, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. And so now he's just kind of doing the same thing again because she's pressing him. She's, you don't want to do this. You're not going to, it's not going to work for you and not going to work for me. That's it. And she's just like, she's fucking mad about it. Just, you dick. You know, you you have sex with me and then you bail. But, you know. Is that, that all it was? <laughs> yeah. And then he, dude, he, then he just whips out the goddamn pictures and he's like, here, <laughs> can you deal with this? <laughs> we cut to Johnny and he's he's visiting our man, Dumas, about laundering the $5 million from the shipping yard job. It's kind of setting everything up, right? And again, I get a nice little montage of stuff and Johnny's like, now he's Johnny's on the bayou, right? And he, Buying himself a couple of handguns from some random dude. <laughs> Don't we? Right, he's, he's from his from from he knows a guy. And then now we're cut to Donna because she, she can't let shit go, and she shows up at, at Johnny's apartment. And as Johnny's kind of looking at his new guns, and uh, she knocks on the door, and she's like, "I want a real answer, motherfucker. Why are you dicking me? You know, Earl Earl told me that you pulled a knife on him, and now you're doing this to protect me. You gotta explain yourself." And then as she's kind of doing her thing and going off about it, Rourke casually walks over to his dresser, opens it up, and takes the before pictures out and hands them to her and says, that's me. Yeah. And and she's just like going, wait, who is this? This Who's this guy? Right. I mean, dude, and, and this is such a good scene between the two of them. They're both, I mean, she's like literally like, you know, just doing it all with her face. Yep. Really good stuff. And, he tells her about what happened with at the prestige job and what he's, he's not saying what he's trying to do. He's just explaining the prestige job situation, let her figure it out and make her understand why. Why know. she, why they can't be together. Right. And she just, she's and now she's doing the same thing that Resher and, and uh, sister Luke were doing, you know, kind of press him. Like you have a new life, you know, don't just walk away, just walk away, you know, but now he just, He's now at this point, he's pissed off at her. He knows the the nice way, the way he wants to talk to her isn't working. And now he has to get nutty with her. He has to get all Pacino on her. To protect her. Right. So off she goes. And we cut to Rafe and Sonny drinking the night before the heist. 
Just getting shit faced. Just getting shit faced. Sparring insults, of course, because that's right, what they do. Laying into each other. <laughs> and Rafe and Rafe warns her to not even think about bailing on him for Johnny. Like she, like he knows. He knows. Man. He knows dude, who they, she is. He's, dude, right, they, that's the thing. I love with his line. I should have left you up in fucking. What is it? I should have left you up in West Texas. <laughs> yeah, and then she. I love they've been together so long. That both of them are convinced that they took the other one out of a hole. Right. And totally. Like if it wasn't so for me, well, if it wasn't for me, yeah, man. It's so good. They don't even remember. So it's the next day, it's the shipping yard, exterior of the shipping yard, and you know, you're seeing armored trucks show up, and then Larry Reef and Sonny drive on the property. Well, big another big car in this movie, like all of Walter's movies have lots of big cars in them. It's Cadillac oh, yeah. or LTD. In this case, I think it was. Another the newer LTD. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a newer LTD yeah. or like a Park <laughs> Avenue or something. Yeah. So Sunny like rolls out of the car and she has the right to payroll. And it's cool because then she's walking by the cash room and then she approaches our man, Bonnet. <laughs> yeah, man. Peter Jason, ladies man. Um, I need to speak to you in somewhere and she'll go, where and go, how about your office? <laughs> so she takes her the office and closes the door. Oh man, so good. And between that, we cut to Rafe and Johnny in the bathroom kind of getting ready to prepare for the heist, double-checking guns, masking up. What's the line that Rafe has? It's like, you know, don't fuck with this. And he just says, well, just stick to the plan. And Johnny says, just stick to the plan. Yeah, he says something like, don't fuck, don't try to fuck with me. Yeah, something along you those know? lines. Like, don't fuck me. And then he just tells him to stick to the plan. Then we cut back to Sonny in, in, in uh, Bonnet's office, and she pulls a gun on him and orders him to turn off the alarm. Of course. And and here's that moment again where I said where she likes to backhand people when she's holding the handgun. Man, and she just fucking lays him out. Yeah, so she, and I, I might notice, she smashes him around before, during, and after he turns off the alarm. Right, she's a dude, I mean, she's like, just like a tennis player. <laughs> Working like over Williams. So it turns off the alarm, obviously. And uh, now Raven and, and Johnny are masked and they approach the cash room. And again, just like with the coin store robbery in the beginning, the prestige robbery, Rafe is handling everything outside, essentially. He's fucking throwing a guard through glass. <laughs> He's really big about tossing people into glass in this movie, Rafe. Rafe isn't subtle, man. No. No, because he's like, kind of, and, and he thinks of that he thinks it does two things: it eliminates somebody, but it also scares everybody because it's so loud and everything. Yeah, well, it just creates, you know, it creates chaos. Yep, people are afraid, and they're, you know, they fucking start to run. People, most people run from commotion like right. that. Right. So they kick down the Castro room. Johnny goes in well, again while Rafe's still outside handling traffic and everything, and eventually Sonny gets out of. Bonnet's office and she joins Johnny in the cash room and they start loading up the suitcases these two massive leather suitcases that you just don't see anymore because they're too fucking heavy American tourister yeah <laughs> so they're loading up and while this is all happening Larry's out front wheels the getaway car into position waiting for the, the rest of them to come out again super efficient editing boom they're in the car they load up off they go <laughs> fucking tires squealing and Just nobody, flying. Right. And there's nobody's following them because at the shipyard, there's like, there's no cops anywhere. There's right. nothing. And they get to a warehouse to do their switch in the cars. And this is like fucking so gold, dude. I, when it happened, I was like, dude, that's fucking genius. So Rafe is busy changing the plates. And Sonny goes and opens the trunk of the second car to transfer the suitcases. 
she opens the trunk and sees there's two suitcases already in it. And she looks and she goes, what the fuck? She seems a bit surprised about everything, obviously. And, and then Johnny walks over with the high suitcases and pushes them underneath that second car. And just as if they were loading them. Right. Yeah, it's great. And because he knows, the, he knows Rafe. He knows the kind of guy he is, right? He doesn't trust fucking anybody. That's the thing is that Rafe has that, uh, Rafe doesn't understand that Johnny's got that advantage. I know who you are, motherfucker, because I've already dealt with you. I've worked with you. Not in general, specifically, asshole. So he's like, you know, I'd rather stay with the money, Rafe says. And he and Larry get in the car and they drive off. And when they drive off, there's the two suitcases with all the money and it's still just sitting there on the floor of the, of the warehouse. Yeah. Johnny gets and grabs the money and says, I, I puts them in the, in his car and says, I got to go get the money cleaned. And she's like, well, no, I want to go with you. And he's like, no, I got to do this alone. I don't need another person there. Just meet me at the cemetery at the Orleans, front cross from the Orleans at nine o'clock and off he goes, man. So it's such a well-constructed scene. Again, not on di- not any different than the driver with their warehouse right. scene. No, very similar. I was going to say it's very similar to the driver, to the exchange. Yeah. They cut to uh, Rafe's apartment. She comes she comes busting through into their apartment or into their hotel or wherever they're at. Oh, I, I'm, my note is Rafe with Jack and gun in hand. I wrote Jack. I'm like, Jack, who the fuck's Jack? I'm like, oh, Jack Daniels. I wish yes, he's, I, he's drinking. He's got the gun in, and she walks in. Basically, I think her shoes are off and she's holding them. And he's like, what the fuck, bitch? Yeah. And he just, I mean, obviously he's already looked in the suitcases and realized that right, he, it he was full screwed. of newspapers or where the fuck it was in there. Nothing. Magazines. <laughs> Hold out of nothing. But like he sees her, she shows up at the, you know, at the apartment in a, in a taxi and she goes upstairs and she just, he's just giving it to her like, what the fuck? And then she says, you think it come back to this shithole if I had any part of those millions? She didn't even look at him, dude. She just was wandering. She's walking straight to the room to get whatever she would. And she just, it, it's almost like she's just throwing the line at him. Like, fuck you. I don't need to hear it. You think I'd come back here to this shithole? Yeah. If I didn't, if I had any of that money. Yeah. And he, he just comes up and, you know, scooches up behind her and says, we really ate it. Didn't we, baby? Yeah. Right. It's just weird. It's like their, their relationship is so fucking weird. Dude. Yeah. Just like, oh, we got, it's not like hey, you fucked me over. It's like, we got fucked. Right. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Ain't it great? Yeah. So we come back to the shipyard and, and now the place is just roaming with local cops. They're trying to check the place out. And drones is there too. Kind of, of looking through things. Is. And he's noticing the bills were sequential based on the the manifest. And he's like, wow. And then like the local parish. I love that. By the awesome Blake Clark, dude. <laughs> I was so stoked to see him. I'm like, man, I don't remember seeing him anything back then. I thought all he was too busy doing was doing that that uh, that shitty show that, uh, uh, what the hell was that show called? Fuck. Doesn't matter. So, but there's Blake Clark and just says, hey, man, we got the local parish has got a hold of this. Dude, we don't need your help. And they know each other, which is rad. Right. Like their, little, their little pissing contest. Yeah, yeah. It's good. And Blake Clark is really fun. And he's not, he's not in it very long. Just that's that much. And off he goes. And we cut to Johnny and it's an empty warehouse. And he's kind of walking in. There's Dumosk just there. And he's like, oh, he's there to deliver the suitcases for some laundering action. And then Dumas starts monologuing a little bit. And he realizes from some obvious. Sorry, I went down the rabbit hole trying to figure out what that fucking sitcom was. <laughs> it was Boy Meets World. There you go. <laughs> Just to move on. I don't know why it popped into my head right there. But Dumas is, you know, 
simple deductions. He's realizing based on some key information that Johnny's already told him, like, oh man, you're fucking Johnny handsome, man. <laughs> and he says, you know, my hat's off to the, to the surgeons, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it was, it's a great moment because he's talking about the, the comparisons between the cons that helped him and the prestige job and everything. Like he knows, he knows what's going on. And he tells Johnny, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing all this. And he's Mike, you would have liked that. I thought that was really cool. And I kind of feel like that maybe, maybe Dumas was always Mikey's guy and not so much Johnny's guy. Right. And exactly. Johnny tells him, Hey man, have my money ready for me at nine o'clock and deliver to the Orleans cut to, and again, super efficiency cut to Dumas in his, in his uh, office, which we've already seen once before. He's telling him, he's like, yeah, I've got the money. You know, I've got it. I tell you, I got to be out of there at eight o'clock. He's basically setting up, man. I got to have the clean dollars at eight o'clock because I got to be somewhere. As this is happening, now we're starting to see drones be far more physical than just now. Now that he's all that tongue lashing he's been giving to people, now he's yeah. manifesting it physically and he just kicks the door in with his gun drawn. And here it is again. Well, bless my ass. And he's caught Dumas. All the stolen loot just sitting right fucking there on his desk and on the floor. Right. Just, you're fucked, dude. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like it's like Brad Hamilton in Fast Times. <laughs> yeah. You're just caught with your dick in your hand. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Um, so then Donna shows up at, at, at Johnny's apartment again. Man, man, she just doesn't know when to stay She's away. She's persistent. Yeah. But no, when she's not welcomed by Johnny because we know he's not there. No, she's welcomed by Sonny, Rafe, and Larry. And they've been tearing the place apart, man. Looking for the money. Yeah. And then and they got to grab a hold of her, got her at gunpoint, and Sonny's going through shit, and she gets to that top dresser that we know she's going to find those yeah, photos. Yeah, man. Again, efficiency. And we already know what's in that fucking drawer. We didn't hang on it for a long time. They had a medium shot. You know, it's just so well orchestrated. It's so beautiful. This is when she just realizes that, oh my gosh. I fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was the first thing I thought of. Like, like when she looks at the pictures, like that first look on her face is like, oh man, I fucked him. I fucked the geek. <laughs> she's, she's like going, oh my gosh, it's it's Johnny, it's Johnny Handsome. Like, oh my gosh, Johnny Handsome. <laughs> right. Totally, right? <laughs> It's so, it's what, and dude, it's, it's, it's part of the whole fucking revenge plan. And it's so just like, fuck, it's like a gut punch. Right. Now drones kicks in Johnny's motel room. Again, a different place. He's in a motel room, not supposed to the apartment there that all the thugs are at right now with Donna. And he's telling Johnny, like how he found out, you know, who he was from because Dumas guy caught him with all the money. And it's like, like, who else would. You know, who would this guy go to to launder that kind of money? Blah, 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 blah. He's basically you go? Right. monologues him a little bit and tells him how he deducted where he was. But again, Drones has had one thing. He's like, even though he's busted Johnny's ass and busted his balls throughout the whole movie, he knows what, what's going on with Johnny. It's less paperwork for him if Johnny just does what Johnny wants to do. And he went, lets him carry out his avenge, his exact revenge, excuse me. He goes, hey, you know what? Uh, I guess I can give you a 10-minute head start, right? <laughs> you can meet up with Sonny Rafe and sell your debt for killing Mikey. Yeah. So do that, man. Settle up and that then, debt. And then Johnny gives him that, like, so uh, either I get them and then you get me and the money 
And he's like, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> or they get me, I and you still get them, or we all get each other. Dude, it's such a great little like, yeah. moment it, between it, the two of them. He because Johnny's too busy focusing on the the people involved, and but Jones is the one who goes and the money, <laughs> and the money, all of it. So Johnny grabs his gun off the dresser. Pulls a slide back. It, slides that fucking Beretta. <laughs> I, by the way, that moment too, though, when, when drones walks in and sees the Beretta just sitting there and it's, he knows there's no mag in it. And then he just kind of like, just pulls the slide just to eject it. There's a single round in there. And he just kind of, he just casually goes, pulls the, the trigger and just sets it down. I'm like, yeah. oh dude, it's so. Yeah, man. It's so matter of fact. It was so good. Oh man, just shows you how controlled drones is and and every encounter he's got with people. So anyways, so Johnny grabs his gun, off he goes and grabs a suitcase. He gets down have he gets down the stairs and he sets down the suitcase to put his other gun because we know he's got two guns. We watched him buy two guns from that dude down by the swamp, by the bayou. I mean, he's like sweet. Puts that other gun. I think that was a was that a sig. I think it's a 45 or yeah, or like a SIG. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some kind of nine millimeter, maybe or 40 cal something. Yeah. So he puts it in there and off he goes and, and he gets an inch to the cemetery, which again, beautiful, beautiful cemetery. Oh like, yeah. Like, which is pretty common there. It's, and Man, it, New Orleans, there are more, I think there are more people buried in New Orleans than live there. Honestly. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> so he's walking around a bit and, just beautiful cement work everywhere from mausoleums to headstones. Just, and it's all super tight because, you know, it's not a big state. <laughs> it's, it's not a big town either, man. No. And like you said, there's lots of cemeteries there and they're pretty much on top of each other. He turns a corner and there's Rafe just sitting there and he's just waiting for him. I love the exchange because it's like Johnny shouldn't expect to see him there as far as Rafe is concerned. He's like, is that the money? And then Johnny's like, yeah, it's payoff time. And this is the great line. I guess that laundry shrunk it down to one bag, huh? And then, <laughs> and then Johnny goes, ah, oh, there's plenty to go around. We're Sunny. I'd hate for her to miss out on all the fun. And Rafe whistles for her and out comes Sunny from the shadows. And gosh, and she goes right back at it. Like it was the first time we saw her. Once a geek, always a geek. Right? <laughs> Just... Doesn't miss a beat. No, Michael. And you can shit talk him all you want, girlfriend. He still had you. Yeah. So what does that say about you? Then we see Larry kind of come out of the shadows with Donna. And he's got he's got a hold, he's got a man grip on her. And then just say, like, man, throw away your gun. Damn it. And Ray says he you know, he's just busting his balls now. Cause they're he's he's spurned, man. He's pissed. Right. He starts giving, oh, I preferred your old look, you know. <laughs> and he says, you know what? Come to think of it, I'm going to go ahead and make you look like you used to. And he starts tooling him up, man. <laughs> Just fucking wailing on him, smacking his face against concrete. Dude, right? Just fucking beating the fucking, punching him right in the fucking, oh, dude, when he hits him in the fucking face and his lip splits, it's just like, right. oh, so brutal. And you're getting that, those composed shots that are very much like the 30s and 40s movies. Oh, yeah. Where you're getting these super hard close-ups of fists coming off screen and punching people. It's like so fucking beautiful. And you don't get them a lot in the movie. That's why when it happens, it's so, it's not jarring. It's just like, oh, that was nice. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, and he's just fucking them up. Then he takes out a knife, man. 
right? Like things weren't bad enough, but now I'm going to go one better. I'm going to fix his face. I don't like it. He's just swiping his face with the, you know, Sonny's just kind of like, even though she's enjoying and watching get all maimed, he's like, don't kill him. That's for me. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, oh Save me some. Gosh. So he's Johnny's on the ground. He's all fucked up. Rafe goes over to open the suitcase and, you know, he asks for the combination. I love how he's using the knife to, like, dial up oh, the dude, combination. The best, right? That insert of him fucking swiping those numbers. Yeah. But good. first, dude, when 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 Johnny fucking opens his mouth, dude, it's a it's a, a heartbreaking moment when he can't talk again. Like yeah. he's reverted back to his and he uh, when he gives him the six digits, you're like, oh, dude, because he's back to that that nasally speech that we heard him all before the surgery. Because he's basically beat the shit out of him. Whatever work they've done, they've broken. That's how. Right. That's another thing too. You don't see how badly he gets beat. You just hear that how bad the beating was yeah that you his it's so bad that he changed his voice back he destroyed his face that much where he's fucked again where he can't speak so now rafe is like going wait a second here this thing's fucking rigged isn't it this thing's rigged to blow up on my You're face blow me up aren't you yeah pull, pulls his gun out and, and tells him you open it and he goes open it goddamn now <laughs> I fucking love it. Lance Henriksen, dude. Fucking so great in this movie. He's just like, fucking do it. And of course, as Johnny opens the case and get that insert shot of the gun as a reminder, it's still sitting on top of the money. And as he's opening it, Donna wrestles the gun away from Sonny. Then Johnny grabs a gun out of his suitcase and starts putting holes in Larry and Rafe. Put a couple in Sonny too, but not before she gets him. Nice little shootout, super just quick. It's over and done really right? fast. Not drawn yeah, out. No, like a re- like, like a real a, shootout. Like a be. real shootout. <laughs> yeah, right. God forbid. There's no cars blowing up or, you know, some whips bouncing off of car doors. John takes a good shot, falls back, and he's just, his gun's still blazing. His trigger's still being pulled as he's falling back. And then Donna kind of gets by his side now, and he's just, I mean, everybody else is dead, clearly, because, dude, people, man. Yeah. Dude, Lance took some holes, man. Oh, he got shot like seven yeah. or eight times. Um, and that, again, I I loved that it was it was a controlled slow motion. It wasn't that, you know, that... It wasn't John Woo. It wasn't step slow motion where it was an afterthought. You know, they shot it that way. They shot it high speed. And he, yeah, it's so good. Again, Leonetti, man, <laughs> just fucking kills it. So Donald, like, comes to Johnny's side and, you know, he's crying, of course, because, you know, as he's dying and, and drones walks up as she's, you know, as she's crying and just sees what's happened. And he just goes, what a fucking dick he is, dude. Nice work. Nice work. <laughs> like, not sarcastically. He's like, good. Now I don't have to do shit, man. I did all this. And he's like holding all taken care of. And he's holding the suitcase. Right. And you're just thinking, that's why we're saying before, man, I don't know. Does he leave with it? Does he just steal it? Because what does he really have? He's got a bunch of dead people and he can say, what? That we've recovered half the right. money. Say whatever he wants. We recovered half the money. Because uh, I got to think that either he, he could have either he let Dumas keep that money, the other suitcase, or this is the laundered version, but then he has no case. But then maybe he doesn't want a case. Maybe he wants the suitcase with the laundered money and off he goes. I'm done. I'm done doing this bullshit. Whatever. I mean, again, it's ambiguous and it's right. up to us, the viewer, to right. decide. But, dude, this is where he delivers the fucking line of the movie. Yeah. Well, as Johnny's dying, too, he's he's asking right, as her. as he's dying. He's, like, asking her, how do you look? How do I look, huh? How is my face? And, like, that, that 
that that sarcastic thing, that that self-deprecating thing he's had all his life is back. And he's like, I know I'm a fucking mess. But yeah, here it is. Here's the drones line. Here's not just the drones line of the movie. This is the line of the movie. Yes. It says it all. Well, Johnny, that damn doctor didn't understand this part, did he? Dude, and it's and he and and this is the first time that drones says something that's not a total fucking shit eating fuck you. Right. He says it, and he's and he and there's almost a there's a tinge of humanity, yeah, and empathy for Johnny, right? Because really, the doctor, it's the one thing the doctor never understood, and drones knew it the whole time. Yeah. And it sums it sums it all up in that line. Johnny told yeah. him that ahead of time. Like, you know, no matter what you do to my right. face, I'm always going to be Johnny Handsome. I'm always going to be that guy inside. The and you get reminded of that. But fuck right. it, it's like um, it's it's like famous last lines. It's, Jake. It is that kind of a line. It's that. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I'm I'm so again. It just tells me that a lot of people haven't seen the movie. If this kind of line doesn't find its way into pop culture, right. It's a little bit long, but dude, you can see it here. Derivatives is being used in life, but man, fuck it. So deliver this amazing line. And as you're still kind of letting that resonate and bounce around in your mind, the cross dissolves from the dead Johnny handsome to his photo of he and Mikey. Yeah. And it's that photograph we've seen a couple of times in the movie. And it's just like, that was it. It was like, he exacted revenge for his, for his best friend, yeah. for his brother, for his mentor. Yeah, fucking. Roll credits. Dude. Boom. This movie moves so well. Yeah. It's 90, 92 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, um, again, just like with The Driver, man, just don't fucking around with this, with these movies. No. If a movie's 94 minutes and not 93, it's because it has to be 94. There's, no, <laughs> there's, nothing, yep. there's nothing there that's bullshit. And, and that's one of the great things that's happened. Granted, this one wasn't, you know, done with, with Lawrence Gordon, but that's something that Lawrence was always known about a Walter Hill in his work. It's like, if it, I'm going to get him, allow him to it, for it to be as long as it needs to be. Cause I know he's not going to make something two fucking hours because it, you know, he's trying to right. bump it up with shit. You know, they're both as much as, Larry, Larry Gordon is uh, established and a, a very diverse producer as well. Um, just oh, like, yeah. just for the same fashion that Walter is a very diverse director and filmmaker. He, I mean, it's funny. It's like some of the stuff that he's written over the years, like I can tell it's a Walter Hill script, but it's interesting where he chooses. Uh, yeah. I don't want to direct it. I want to write that for somebody else. You know, it's, it's interesting that right. he makes those no, exactly. choices. And um, it says a lot about a creative that can say, oh, it's not for me. I, I mean, you look at somebody like Spielberg who has this brand, right? We know, we know the Gordon Hill brand, but. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not everybody does. Not like, it's not like Spielberg. So when he, when you see his, you see Spielberg's EP credit on stuff, I'm like, fine, you know, he didn't, I mean, he probably doesn't even know that movie exists. You know, it's, they put out so much of that stuff. Everything that these two dudes are involved in have resonance. Yeah, man, has their fingerprints all over it too. Even and again, even though, well, even though Lawrence didn't produce this movie, he still was involved in it. And you know, maybe not a not in a, an official capacity, but you know, being Walter's dude, there's probably I have a hard time believing that he wasn't involved in some kind of meetings and discussions about what they were going to do in the movie. Well, you know, it's funny. It's one of the things. 
they had the writer, uh, they had, they had Ken Friedman on, on the set the whole time. That's awesome. So, I mean, they had him there, they had, they had him there during pre, pre prep working through the script with Walter, because again, you know, Walter wasn't the original director attached right. and the thing had changed hands a few times. But once Walter came on, he's the one who had the vision for, you know, exactly what this movie needed to be. I mean, I want to, before I forget about it, I want to really talk about the Ry Cooter score in this movie. Yeah, too. It is probably my favorite. I mean, I love all of the stuff he does, all of his stuff with Walter, but this movie in particular is like, pitch perfect for me it, it's yeah. it's like the one like they're all good but this one is perfect like the yeah. notes those opening notes they, i mean they sing you like you know right where you're at um and it's it sets that that johnny walking down that neon lit street leonetti shooting the shit out of it the score by cooter i mean it all it, it, yep. instantly i'm there in that you know i'm in that pulp novel i'm 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 totally there right. and uh you know again walter his familiarity with the people that he uses more than you know that he's used almost every time at the gate uh you know that that just that's one of the things i feel like you know he's a guy if it ain't broke don't fix it right he, he's a director more than any other you know he didn't bounce around oh hey maybe i should try alan silvestri because i mean <laughs> there was a point hell could have had anybody he wanted i'm not right. saying alan Silvestri's bad i'm just saying you know there's a point where like you know they start throwing composers at you when you reach a certain you know stature as a director like oh hey man maybe you should talk to you know silvestri maybe you should talk to john williams but you know rye cooter walter hill lawrence gordon uh you know those guys there's there's a reason why they're it's so distinctive and it's 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 all part of that i mean leonetti you know all of it tied together i mean god i love this movie Fuck. yeah and one of the reasons why this the 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 score stood out so much for me in this because of our movie next week and that movie to me was is the movie that really introduced me to what Ry Cooter does as, oh, yeah. as a composer and, and, uh, man, and when, again, when we get to that movie, it's not just the obvious score. It's everything, everything else, everything else that's in that movie is all comes from him because he sets the tone in a way that, um, Walter Hill sets out to, to deliver as a director. He nails, I mean, in, in, in a way that a composer just, Wow. So that's why I wasn't surprised watching this going, oh my gosh, I, you, I hear a couple of cues from the other movie in this too. Um, things that become staples of of certain composers. Because you always, you can hear John Williams cue oh, and recognize it instantly. Sylvester the same way. James Horner, you, you know these guys, you recognize their cues right away. And it's the same thing with this. I recognize a whole bunch of stuff that Rye did in his previous movie with Walter. And it's just so good. Like you said, everything about this movie. It just sings, man. It's like, yeah, boom. It is everything that every movie wants to be and usually fails at. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, no, for sure. Yeah. Well, there you go, man. Number three down Boom. in the Walter Hill director series. That was quick, dude. It's, it's going by so fast. Anytime we've done this, when we just keep talking about a movie <laughs> says so much, especially it ends up being uh, 40 minutes longer than the movie, 30 minutes longer than the movie. It says a lot about how much we love that particular movie. And, oh uh, yeah. 
So next week we'll have our, our final in this series of director series. Are we going to go right into another director series or are we going to? I don't know. I was going to ask you, what do you, do you want to go into another director yeah, series? Yeah, I don't or, know. Yeah. I mean, well, we can kick it around. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter, Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or Johnny Handsome. On, oh, wait, no, not Johnny Handsome. Tom Cody on Letterboxd. Tom, Tom Cody. Cody.